Section 4 of the Letters of Madame de Savigny to her daughter and friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Letter 11. Monday, May 18, 1671. Just going to set out. At last, my dear child, I'm just ready to step into my carriage. There. I am in. Adieu. I shall never use that word to you without real grief. I am now on my way for Brittany. Is it possible that anything can increase the distance between us when we are already separated from each other by more than two hundred leagues? But so it is. I have found a way to complete it. And as you thought your town of X not quite far enough from me, I also look upon Paris as too much in your neighbourhood. You went to Marseille to fly me, and I, to pay you in your own coin, am going to Vitre. But to be serious, my dear, our correspondence will suffer by this. It used to be a great source of consolation and amusement to me. Alas, what shall I have to say to you from the midst of my woods? I shall have nothing to entertain you with but accounts of Mademoiselle du Plessis and Jacquine, footnote, a pretty servant girl of Madame de Sévigné's at her house in Brittany. Back to main text. Charming subjects, these. I'm very happy with what you tell me of your health, but in the name of God, if you have any love for me, take care of yourself. Do not dance, do not fall. Take a good deal of rest. And above all things, arrange your plans so as to lie in at X, where you may have the best and the most timely assistance. You know how expeditious you are on these occasions. Be sure to have everything ready rather too soon than too late. Good heavens! What shall I not suffer at that period? You relate the dispute you had with your friend Vivonne very agreeably. I think the fault lies entirely on his side. You laid a famous trap in which you caught him completely. His confusion made me sweat for him, but he did so himself, I dare say, and in the end you made it up and embraced him. A great undertaking that for one in your situation. Footnote. Monsieur de Vivonne was remarkable for his great bulk. Back to main text. If your quarrels must end thus, you ought to have no quarrels nor enemies upon your hands. Letter 12. From the Rocks. Footnote. The name of Madame de Sévigné's estate in Brittany. Back to main text. Sunday, May 31st, 1671. At last, my child, I am at the rocks. Can I behold these walks? Can I view these ornaments? This little closet? These books, these rooms, and not die with grief? Some recollections are agreeable, but there are others, again, so lively and so tender that 
they are hardly supportable. Such are mine with respect to you. And you may easily guess the effect this is likely to produce in a heart like mine. If you continue pretty well, my dear child, I believe I shall not come to you till next year. Brittany and Provence are not very compatible. Long journeys are strange things. If we were always to continue in the same mind we are in at the end of a journey, we should never stir from the place we were then in. But providence in kindness to us causes us to forget it. It is much the same with lying in women. Heaven permits this forgetfulness that the world may be peopled and that folks may make journeys to Provence. Mine, therefore, will afford me the greatest joy I ever received in my life. But how cruel a thought is it to see no end to your stay there. I more and more admire and applaud your prudence, though, to tell you the truth, I am greatly affected by this impossibility, but I hope time will make us see things in a different light. We must always live in hope. Without that consolation, there would be no living. I sometimes pass such melancholy moments in the woods that I return as changed as one just out of a fever. I fancy you pass your time pretty well at Marseille. Do not fail to tell me how you were received at Grignon. The people here had designed to make a kind of triumphal entry for my son. Bayon had drawn out near 1,500 men under arms, very well dressed, with new ribbons round their necks, and marched them within a league of the rocks. But guess what happened? Our abbe had written word that we should be there on Tuesday, and afterward forgot to mention it to us. Accordingly, these poor people were waiting under arms the whole day till ten o'clock at night, and they returned home very much chagrined at their disappointment. And behold, the next day, which was Wednesday, we came in as quiet and peaceable as lambs, without dreaming that a little army had been drawn out to receive us. We were a good deal vexed at this mistake, but there was no remedy. So much for our first setting out. Mademoiselle du Plessis is just as you left her. She has formed a new acquaintance of Vitre that she plumes herself mightily upon because she is a great genius, has read all the romances, and more than that, has had two letters from the Princess de Tarente. I was wicked enough to set Vaillant upon telling her that I was jealous of this new friend of hers, and that when I heard of their intimacy, it had given me the greatest uneasiness, though I had taken no notice of it to her. It requires the pen of a Moliere to describe all she says upon the occasion, and it is highly amusing to see how artfully she manages me, and with what care she avoids speaking of my supposed rival before my face. I, too, play my part very well. My little trees are grown surprisingly. 
Pirois, footnote the gardener at the rocks, back to main text, is raising their stately heads to the clouds. In short, nothing can be more beautiful than these walks which you first saw planted. You may remember I once gave you a little device which was thought very suitable. Here is a motto I wrote the other day upon a tree which I intend for my son, who has just returned from Candia. Vago di fama, footnote, anxious for fame, back to main text. Is it not pretty, notwithstanding its conciseness? Yesterday I had another inscribed in honour of the idlers. Bella cosa far niente, footnote, what a fine thing it is to do nothing, back to main text. Ah, my dear child, what a wild or romantic air my letters have. What has become of the time when I used to talk of Paris like other people? Now you will hear of nothing but myself, and to show you what confidence I have in your affection, I am persuaded this will be the most agreeable intelligence I can give you. I am highly pleased with my company here, our abbe is at all times an excellent companion. La Mousse and my son are satisfied with me and I with them. We always seek one another. And if business at any time takes me from them, they are at their wit's end and think it very odd of me to prefer a farmer's account to a tale of La Fontaine. They are all passionately in love with you. I fancy you will hear from them soon. I choose, however, to be beforehand with them, for I do not love talking to you in a crowd. My dearest child, will you always love me? My life depends upon your affection. That, as I told you the other day, constitutes all my joy and all my sorrow. Letter 13, The Rocks, Wednesday, June the 10th, 1671. I'm going to entertain you today, my dear child, with what is called rain and fine weather. I had not your letters till Friday, and I answered them the Sunday following. I begin then with the rain, for fair weather is out of the question. For this week past, it has rained incessantly. I say incessantly, for the rain has only been interrupted by storms. I cannot stir abroad, my workmen are all dispersed, and I am devoured with melancholy. La Mousse, too, is very low-spirited. We read, indeed, and that just keeps us alive. My son is gone to Rennes, whither we thought it necessary to send him, to pay a visit to the first president and several other friends I have there. If he has time, I shall prevail on him to go and see Monsieur de Cosquin. He is old enough now for these things. There was a ball at Vitre again on Sunday. I very much fear that my son will become too fond of the company of ten or a dozen men that supped with him the other night at the castle of Sévigné. They may be born with, but he should be very cautious of forming too great an intimacy with them. 
a dispute arose between two of the party about some trifle or other the lie was given to it they went the company endeavoured to part them there was a great deal of talk and very little sense however monsieur le marquis footnote meaning her son the marquis of sevigny back to main text had the honour of making up the difference and afterward set up a reine there have been great cabals if you trade mademoiselle de croissant complains that at a ball the other day mademoiselle du cerny did not offer her part of some oranges she had we must hear what mademoiselle du plessis and the launay have to say on this subject as they know all the circumstances relating to it as to mademoiselle du plessis she lets all her affairs at vitre run to ruin because she will not stir in them from the fear of making me jealous on account of her new friend and it was but the other day that to make me quite easy she said as many ill-natured things of her as she could when it is fine weather this nonsense makes me laugh but when it is bad and gloomy i could give her a box on the ear as you once did Madame de Coulanges writes me word that she has heard nothing of Brancard except that out of his six coach horses he has only one left and that he was the last person to discover it. I hear no news. Our little Allegre is at her mother's and it is thought that Monsieur de Seigne is to be married to her. I suppose you are in want of persons to furnish you with intelligence. For my part, I despise trivial occurrences. I am only for those that surprise and astonish. Such a one I met with this very morning, while the abbe and I were in his study together. We found, in reckoning with those counters of his which are so good, that with all that has fallen to me, I ought to be worth five hundred and thirty thousand livres footnote upward of twenty thousand pounds sterling reckoning a livre at tenpence halfpenny back to main text do you know that what our dear abbe has left me will not amount to less than eighty thousand francs and you think i am not impatient to be in possession and one hundred thousand francs from burgundy this has come since you were married the rest, namely, one hundred thousand crowns by my marriage, one hundred thousand crowns since by Monsieur de Chalon, and twenty thousand francs in little legacies from one or two of my uncles. But do you not wonder whither my pen is running with me? I should do much better to tell you what I suffer every day when I reflect in what places Providence has destined us to pass our lives this is a continual source of uneasiness to me but let it not be so to you you have not the same reason you are with a husband that adores you and in the midst of honours and splendour but endeavour if possible to work some miracle in your affairs so that your return to paris may be retarded only by the duties of your post and not from necessity it is very easy to talk thus I wish it were as easily carried into execution, and wishes are not forbidden us. 
They write me word that Madame de Valavoie is at Paris, and that she is forever talking of your beauty, politeness, wit, talents, and, in short, of the new headdress you have invented, which it seems you have executed in as good a style as if you'd been in the midst of the court. Madame de la Troche and I have at least the honour of having described it so well as to put you in the way of performing these wonders. She is at Paris still, that La Troche. She's going to her own house about the latter end of this month. As for me, I do not know what the States intend doing, but I fancy I shall run away for fear of being ruined. It is a mighty pretty thing to put myself to the expense of near a thousand crowns in dinners and suppers, and all for the honour of keeping a summer-house for Monsieur and Madame de Chaune, Madame de Rouen, Monsieur de Lavardin, and half Brittany, who, without knowing anything of me, will, to be in the fashion, honour me with their company. Well, we shall see how it turns out. I shall only regret leaving Monsieur Darouy in this house before I've half finished my business. But, my dear child, the greatest inclination I have at present is to be a little religious. I plague La Mousse about it every day. I belong neither to God nor to the devil. I'm quite weary of such a situation, though between you and me, I look upon it as the most natural one in the world. I'm not the devil's because I fear God and have at bottom a principle of religion. Then, on the other hand, I am not properly God's because his law appears hard and irksome to me and I cannot bring myself to acts of self-denial. So that altogether I am one of those called lukewarm Christians, the great number of which does not in the least surprise me, for I perfectly understand their sentiments and the reasons that influence them. However, we are told that this is a state highly displeasing to God. If so, we must get out of it. Alas, this is the difficulty. Was there ever anything so mad as I am to be thus eternally pestering you with my rhapsodies? My dear child, I ask excuse, as they say here. But I must chat with you. It is so truly delightful to me. Be sure, however, not to return me an answer. Only let me hear of your health, with a little spice of your sentiments, that I may see that you are happy and that you like Grignon. That is all. Love me. Though we have turned the world into ridicule, it is natural. It is good. End of section four.